0: Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, all right, all right. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Dolphins, a special Friday edition of Power to the Pod Senior Bowl practices. They're in the books. We had a great week of practice, we got a great showcase of the Miami Dolphins and their coaching staff. Some news to get into right off the top of the show. Welcome, Dolphins fans, all around, wherever you choose to listen from. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Kyle Krabs, your host, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, managing editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com. And the news that came through last night, uh, probably not necessarily where you think we're going to go. Some news on the offensive coordinator front. Uh, The Houston Texans are reportedly set to hire Pep Hamilton, to serve as their quarterback's coach, which means uh, of the six reported uh, candidates on the Dolphins shortlist for the offensive coordinator position, every single external candidate has landed somewhere else. Uh, Tony Elliott uh, wanted to stay at Clemson. More power to him. Uh, Matt Canada promoted to offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh. Pep Hamilton transitions from quarterback's coach in Los Angeles to quarterback's coach in Houston. Mike McDaniel promoted to offensive coordinator in San Francisco. So Canada and McDaniel stayed with their initial teams. Uh, The Dolphins seem to have passed or punted on Pep Hamilton, Uh, which leaves Eric Studsville and George Godsey. And Studsville took play calling duties on both Wednesday and Thursday at the Senior Bowl. I did see Omar Kelly kind of insinuate he kind of anticipates a co-offensive coordinator uh, situation in Miami between the two. I think there's some merits to kind of having a a collaborative effort if the Dolphins weren't blown away by anybody that they saw. And I would say this, for anybody concerned with the Dolphins keeping their hires in-house, for the offensive coordinator position between George Godsey, who was the offensive coordinator in Houston for a while, and Eric Studsville, who served for a very short time as the interim head coach in Denver, and he's been all around if you're worried about the carryover from the issues from last year's offense into this year's offense, I would encourage you to remember that when Chang Gailey was hired, the Dolphins brought in two prominent assistant coaches that were on his staffs in New York with the Jets. Steve Marshall, the offensive line coach, and Robbie Brown, the quarterback's coach. Both of which are out of here. They're gone. Those were the hires that were brought in with the intention of filling... In offense. So just because these assistant coaches were on the staff last year for the Dolphins does not mean it's going to be a continuation of a Changale esque offense. Uh, I, I think, and that's why I do think it's important that, that if the Dolphins go this route, there is a little bit of collaboration, which uh, Eric Studsfell is, is extremely highly regarded uh, as an assistant coach. George Scotts, has former offensive coordinator experience. I think Brian Flores is probably a little bit more comfortable in year three not needing a veteran coach to lean so heavily into. Of course, there was the pursuit of Jim Caldwell the first year, and then the second year, Chan Gailey coming in as an experienced offensive coordinator. So I think we're going to... I know everybody wants the Dolphins to interview Ken Dorsey, the quarterback's coach in Buffalo. There's been no indication that that's actually going to happen. There are bullet points, and we've talked about it this past week on the show, on why it would make sense for the Dolphins to go that direction, and if they really liked him from an X's and O's perspective, there would be nice cherries on top and icing on the cake as far as why you know, that, that hire would be a win. Talking about making Buffalo weaker and having a, a runway in which you're probably going to have multi, multiple years of him being your offensive coordinator before he aligns himself if everything goes well to be a head coach. But I'm already starting to see some an anxiousness and anxiety on the timeline regarding Brian Flores in the offensive coordinator position. And, you know, does Chris Greer need to step in and prevent Brian Flores from hiring off? No. That, that's, that's exactly the kind of shit that you can't do as an organization and expect the chain of command to be respected and for everybody to remain on the same page. Whoever the offensive coordinator is, is not Steve Ross's business. It's not Chris Greer's business. It's Brian Flores' business as the head coach of the football team. And we've already talked about, as well, the improvements that this offense took. And this offense felt frustrating at times. And yes, the personnel sold you short on third and shorts. And when you got down in the the low red zone and you needed to run the football, you couldn't. And we've already kind of allocated a certain amount of blame onto Changeli for the calling of the plays and how he handled Tua Valoa, And despite all of that, the Dolphins scored the fourth most points in a single season in franchise history. And you look at any number of metrics for offensive production, and the Dolphins had top three in the past 15 to 20 years in a bunch of major categories. Was the offense in its entirety good? No. But the bar for Miami offense has been so low uh, that, that you look at how much youth there was, what production they put on. 2020's raw offensive yardage was third highest since 2000. It was fourth in scoring offense, uh, the fourth scoring offense in the top half of the league since 2005. So 16th or better in scoring offense for just the fourth time since 2005. Their net yards per attempt... Of 6.3 was the third highest since 2000. 20 turnovers, the third best since 2000 as well. And the list goes on and on and on and on. Uh, So, no, ideally you're not changing offensive coordinators every year. Uh, But the context is, they hired Chad O'Shea late. They brought Chang in to be a leader. From a veteran coaching perspective and to work with Ryan Fitzpatrick, we're moving forward. Expectation, you hire George Godsey, you, t- you hire Eric Studsville, he's probably, unless the offense completely tanks, which I'm not expecting, he's going to be your offensive coordinator for several years and you'll have stability, which is exactly all anybody wants. But you know, regardless of what the, the raw output is, which has been as, as good or better than most Dolphins offenses the past decade across the board. And you say all that to also say the Dolphins won 10 football games last year. The Dolphins are the only team in the wildcard era since 1990 to win 10 games and finish 8th in the conference. They're the only AFC team to do it in 30 years. Any other year you make the playoffs. And if the Dolphins made the playoffs with a rookie quarterback and 10 wins and a defense that, that had one of the most miraculous turnarounds of Franchise history from points allowed perspective and, and defensive efficiency and third down. and Is anybody mad? We're all on pins and needles here as Dolphins fans because we, we've kind of entered into uh, crunch time. You know, we, we talked a little bit about this yesterday when talking about Nick Saban and, and the Dolphins staff talking to Nick Saban, uh, trying to replicate and build a program and how critical this year three window is to kind of either get over the hump or, or kind of stay where you're at and make some missteps and kind of fall back. This is an important window for the Dolphins fan, and I think Dolphins fans can feel that. Especially based on what you guys have given us from a questions uh, point of view and perspective to talk about today on the show, which is exactly what we're going to get into starting right now. Tone Toto wants to know which draft is stronger, the 2020 NFL draft or the 2021 NFL draft. So is this a better draft class than last year? Um, depends on what you need. I could tell you our group over at TDN, if you're not familiar with our scouting department over there, it's myself, Joe Marino, Jordan Reed, and Dre Harris. Uh, we also have Brentley Weissman who works with us on a part-time capacity. Uh, Two of our five scouting staff members have worked in the league for NFL franchises in the scouting department. So we have a lot of really good league experience that, that we work with. Right now, we have 25 first-round grades assigned. Um, and that's before we even get into cross-checks. So the way our cross-checks work, we watch you know, players from our assigned regions— And we grade those players and then we stack the board and that's our initial board. And then we'll go through cross checks in which we will start at the top and we will work our way down and watch mutually all together the same three or four players on any given day. And then we'll meet the next day and we'll talk about it. And everybody assigns that player a grade, But the person whose region it was is responsible for the scouting report on that player. So we have some guys who are fringe first round grades. I'll give an example. Um, Javante Williams, the running back from North Carolina, he has an early two. Joe Marino watched him. But if Dre, Jordan, and I all come out and we all give Javante Williams a first-round grade based on when we watch him individually, and I'm not saying that's going to happen, you will get a first-round grade for that player. So there's still upward mobility to get even more than 25. Of course, it goes both ways. But um, I, I, I think we're going to finish with more first-round grades and top-of-the-draft value than what we had last year, and uh, I think the value through the top 100 is really, really good this year. I think this is a really good class to have four picks in the top 50 and five picks in the top 85. I do think this is a good class, and, and probably a little bit better than last year's, if I had to tell you right now. Nick, in light of what the coaching staff has seen at the Senior Bowl, what will the free agency priorities be? This is an interesting question. So effectively, Nick, we're kind of parlaying Tone Toto's question of uh, which draft class has more strength uh, with your question and comparing it to free agency to say, okay, what position groups don't you feel good about the dolphins potentially getting some starters on? I do think a wide receiver will be an addition that the dolphins feel the need uh, and are compelled to make in free agency. I think the running back class in the draft is fairly deep, and I think they have enough in Miles Gaskin that they're not going to need to prioritize it. I think the safety group will be an interesting one to monitor if the Dolphins choose to go a different direction, which has been reported as something that is in consideration for them. If the Dolphins are interested in interior defensive line depth, perhaps... The uh, the free agent route is the way to go if they don't want to sign Devon Godchild to a big contract or anything like that. I'd probably kind of pick over my opportunities there. And other than that, you know, th- this team I don't anticipate them to go crazy in free agency. I know somebody asked me a little bit further down about Von Miller, and we'll get into him in just a second. But um, yeah, I-, I think wide receiver and-, and defensive depth are the places where the Dolphins will be most intent in free agency octavio opinion on josh palmer from tennessee and his fit on the dolphins roster. senior bowl wide receiver he's okay um on the pecking order uh, as far as senior bowl wide receivers he probably wouldn't make my top six or top eight um he's ran some nice routes down the field this week in immobile um but if you were going to tell me hey The Dolphins are going to draft an early day three wide receiver. I don't think Palmer would be the guy that I would peg and be interested in. Hard again to say what his fit is because we don't have any definitive answers on what kind of system or scheme until we definitively get the offensive coordinator situation ironed out. Kyle wants to know why all the TDN folks seem so intent on the Dolphins taking a tackle with a day one or day two pick. I would imagine it has to do with the positional versatility. I mean, and I'm the team that from a pro scouting perspective is responsible for the Dolphins. So when we have these conversations with our scouting staff, we talk about, you know, what the positions of need for each roster are. And just general offensive line improvement is still a position of need for the Dolphins. And Robert Hunt having the positional flexibility to kick inside if you'd like him to. Uh, opens the door for for anybody who's mocking for the Dolphins to say, okay, well, I could take a tackle and then move Robert Hunt inside. Would I personally advocate for that approach? No, I'd like to see Robert stay at right tackle, to be honest with you. But that's the thought process that is applied is, okay, we know we have a young tackle who is capable of stepping inside and playing, and we know Solomon Kinley's played both left and right guard, so, the value at tackle and the value of drafting a player that can play tackle early in the draft is much more than a, a, somebody who is interior only. So, if I'm going to get the best possible blend and combination of five, I want the guy who can play outside. And then I'll decide which of the players who currently plays outside is going to kick inside. So, that's the thought process that I would point to. Kyle, it's a good question, though, because, you know, us as Dolphins fans, we look at, well, would they use two top 40 picks on tackles? So, why the hell are we talking about tackles, right? I get it. You're one of a kind and so are your taxes. That's why TurboTax Live has experienced tax experts who are ready to listen to you, learn your unique tax situation, and help get the best tax outcome for you. Maybe you're moonlighting as a rideshare driver and have questions about what qualifies as a deduction. Maybe you want an expert to walk you through the process since most of your income last year came from freelance jobs. Or maybe you'd like to hand the whole tax filing process off to an expert while you perfect your banana bread recipe. Whether you want to file with the help of an expert or let an expert do the filing for you, TurboTax Live experts are here to help, giving you the confidence to know that your one of a kind uniquely you taxes are done right. Intuit TurboTaxes. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. So whether you're looking for a healthy snack, a breakfast on the go, something post workout or just like delicious things, Built Bar can fill the void for you and best of all, Built Bar doesn't just taste good, it blows the nutritional facts of your typical protein bar out of the water. It's got 200 calories per bar or less, up to 20 grams of protein per bar, 18 delicious flavors to choose from, and one-seventh the grams of carbs and sugar of your typical protein bar. So if you're looking for a change-up in your diet. Visit builtbar.com. Use promo code locked on, and you can save twenty percent off your next order of built bar. That's builtbar.com. Promo code locked on to save twenty percent, and find out what all the fuss is about for yourself. Some great questions so far today, uh, and, and they continue on. Uh, Larry, listen, I tried to build enough of a bridge here. Uh, to give you guys a little bit of warning. But uh, we are going to talk about he who shall not be named on the show today. So uh, diehard Tua supporters, I just want to warn you up front. You know, somebody has asked me a question about Deshaun Watson. <laughs> and I'm going to answer a question about Deshaun Watson. It does not mean I am anti-Tua. It does not mean that I am not excited about the Dolphins working, moving forward and building around Tua Tagovailoa. It means... The Dolphins, and, and this is actually a great, great transition. Our friends over at uh, Pro Football Network, a couple of guys who are really diehard Miami Dolphins fans, right? Uh, they they came out with a report yesterday uh, that kind of filled in the blank as it pertains to the Miami Dolphins and the Deshaun Watson rumors, which I know get exhausting. I know they do, and I try my absolute best to not bludgeon you guys over the head with it. But it's worth talking about because Deshaun Watson has pointed to the Miami Dolphins. That was the very initial report. And that's why it's so hot and heavy for the Miami Dolphins. But our friends over at Pro Football Network, who are a bunch of great guys, couldn't recommend them enough. Uh, they Somebody on the ground there in Mobile this week which is the only opportunity this year in which we're going to have all 32 decision makers from all 32 teams on the same place together. So I'd imagine a lot of conversations are happening right now that typically would be happening in March at the Combine. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if Principal, like Matt Stafford, doesn't get traded a lot sooner than he would in a typical offseason because this is the only chance you're going to have to get everybody together. I say that to say this. Sources told Pro Football Network, remember, these are the guys that were first on the Laramie Tunsil trade whispers, that should the Texans officially open up trade negotiations with other teams about Deshaun Watson, the Miami Dolphins will absolutely involve themselves in the trade discussions. This is not to say the Dolphins are going to go balls to the wall and completely sell out all of their assets to go get them, but I, for one, i am glad to know that the Dolphins, as you would expect, are not going to leave opportunities to get their team better on the table because at this point in time, Deshaun Watson is the quarterback that you hope Tua Tagovailoa can develop into at some point in time. So if the Dolphins feel comfortable with what the price is to flesh out the rest of the roster and upgrade the quarterback position versus where both of these resumes are at right now, never mind the potential of Tua, nothing is guaranteed in the NFL, they're ready to have conversations with the Houston Texans. I'm excited to know that the question from a power to the pod perspective comes from Larry. At what point is the compensation for Deshaun Watson more than Miami would give up? It's a very difficult question to say, but the dolphins do have the luxury. That was one of the few teams in the NFL that can say this of having multiple first round picks. There's only two other teams that should be on the table in Jacksonville in the New York Jets. In Jacksonville, they have the number one pick. They're in Houston's division. That's not going to happen. So the only two teams with multiple first-round picks to give this year, and if you take the Band-Aid method, and you say, we'll pay you two ones this year, or maybe we'll give you a one this year, one next year, two, and another player. And you could still keep 18 and draft Najee Harris. So you can trade back a little bit and try and pick up extra day two capital and still try to draft Najee Harris and get a wide receiver early in round two. Or maybe one of the receivers falls to you at 18. Who knows? That's that's the million-dollar question, is what is the value? I would expect the value for Deshaun Watson in a trade is going to be lower than what the expectation of four or five first-round picks is going to be because Deshaun Watson does have a no-trade clause. And because Deshaun has a no-trade clause... You're not going to have the entire league bidding against one another. I understand Adam Schefter came out and said he wouldn't exercise his no-trade clause against a bunch of teams, but from my understanding, from conversations that I've had, that's because the vast majority of teams do not have the ammunition to even start a conversation in the first place. Amongst the teams who are realistically interested, Deshaun wouldn't ask too many of them. But there aren't too many teams that can realistically give Houston a rapid return on investment. You know, what's the upside of trading for three ones when you got to wait two years to get an ROI and get a return on investment on that in that trade? The Dolphins could say, look, we'll give you all your picks in the next 12 months. And the Dolphins can still walk away with multiple top 50 picks. If you start going hog wild and and there's an absolute bidding war, then yeah, I'm going to advocate the Dolphins to drop out. But it's really hard to say without kind of getting some clarity, and I think the Matt Stafford deal will help. uh, Because quite frankly, I think the expectation is that's going to be agreed upon in principle, even if it's not agreed upon and formally processed. That's going to get done sooner rather than later. So that trade will help clarify uh, where the quarterback market is going to be. And then you amplify that because instead of being 32 years old, like Matt Stafford is Deshaun Watson's 25 years old and he's a much better quarterback than Matt Stafford is. So lots there. We obligatory Deshaun Watson conversation. I think we held it to four minutes. We did. Okay. We're going to move on. Mike with a good question. Daniel Jeremiah says Quinn minors could go in round two. Is that realistic? And if so, is he an option at 50? How would you rank the centers of this draft class? Top centers for me, especially for the Dolphins, are Landon Dickerson and Creed Humphrey. You can flip a coin for whatever order you want for those two. Creed's probably your option at 36. Dickerson with the knee injury is probably your option at 50. I wouldn't be chomping at the bit to draft a Division three center regardless of how good he looked after uh, a couple of days of practice in Mobile. I'm not chomping at the, the bit to draft Quinn Miners at 50 overall if he's there at 83 I think he can have a conversation because I think he has kind of played himself up into that three four conversation and if a team absolutely falls in love yeah I could see him going round two would I want it to be the Dolphins no that would be a decision I would let somebody else make and I would move forward from there Uh, the interior offensive line is not uh, a super high premium position Uh, I know for the Dolphins getting the offensive line is a Line right as a point of emphasis, Uh, but no, I I would not consider Quinn Miners with the fiftieth overall pick, uh, regardless of how good of a week he had, and he had an amazing week this week. Uh, Alex, if Denver doesn't take Von Miller's club option, what are the chances Miami signs him to a one to three year deal? I think Von's got to get his off the field stuff figured out first. I believe there's some. Uh, domestic issues uh, w- with Von Miller from a legal perspective that uh, could see him land in some pretty hot water and some pretty unacceptable behavior if allegations are true. And let due process play out there. But um, Von, I think, has bigger issues than finding a new team. And I expect Denver uh, will let him walk. I-, I don't expect he will be back given Denver's. Uh, other bodies on the defensive side of the football and needing to get Justin Simmons under a long-term contract and so on and so forth. So um, I'd expect Von Miller is going to be available, but I think Von needs to figure out his off the field stuff before he worries about a team. That said, Miami has shown a willingness and receptiveness to kind of give guys a chance who are are in some trouble off the field. And I know Preston Williams had uh, some questionable decision-making in his background. Uh, during his college years, and Mark Walton, obviously, they brought in, and Robert Kimdiche. So the Dolphins are a team that's not immune from uh, players who have some question marks on their resume. Uh, but Vaughn's got some pretty heavy-hitting stuff that uh, needs to get sorted out first. Ezekiel, how many new offensive starters will be lining up in Week 1? This is a great question. I'm going to say at least one new offensive lineman. I'm going to say two new wide receivers. I'm going to say a new uh, running back. Give me four and a half, and you can choose to take the over-under on that, but I'll say four and a half new starters for the Dolphins. The NFL playoffs are here, and while the Dolphins are not qualified, it does not mean you cannot still be a winner this winter. There's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust for all of your online sports bets, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free count at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. 72 Invictus wants to know, does a full offseason of training bring back to his arm strength? Never heard anything about his lack of arm strength at Alabama. I thought his arm strength at Alabama was good. I didn't think he necessarily had a cannon. Um, But when he set up in the pocket, yes, he could push the ball adequately to all levels of the field. Uh, you saw some flashes of that. Uh, the Cincinnati throw to Jakeem Grant was a really good throw. Uh, maybe not the best pure ball placement when you consider Jakeem Grant's route trajectory, and he kind of forced Jakeem to bend back underneath of it. But nevertheless, you know, being stood up in the pocket, yes, he could throw the ball down the field. Uh, Denver, he had a couple throws that he overthrew them, but uh, some nice throws down the field in that game as well. Some tight window throws, kind of throwing on the move. Uh, he's more intermediate, so he's not going to beat you over the top when you force him to throw on the move. Think of the the throw he just missed to Jakeem Grant against the Chargers game. A stronger arm gets that done. Uh, I do think he has the chance to get his arm stronger with a full season of just pure training and not doing rehab. Uh, That's kind of an unknown variable that the Dolphins, you know, you have to get a little excited about the possibility about, but you don't want to assume anything at this point in time. Tua. Tagovai Patrick, skinny fat dad hat as your (laughs) handle. What's up, man? Is there a position we as fans view as good to go that you could see Miami trying to update in free agency or early in the draft? Don't rule out corner. Do not rule out another corner. We got this Xavier Howard kind of contract standoff that's looming on the horizon. Noah Igbenogany seems to be resolved to playing outside corner based off what we saw this year. So whether it's a decision to move Xavier Howard or whether it's a decision to upgrade your nickel corner, secondary matters a ton in this defense. Do not dismiss the idea of the Dolphins drafting yet another corner would be my advice. Do I think it's probable? No. Would it surprise me? Not at all. Hopefully impatient. Do you expect more than one running back or wide receiver drafted in April? Yes. Um, I think you you could probably get one more than one of each. He'll draft an an early guy on both of those wide receiver. Let's go mid round guy as well. Running back, you know a six or a seven. Uh, kind of double dip low risk value proposition. And if he turns out as good as Miles Gaskin did, then great. You're all good and gravy. Uh, Chuck Thompson, opinion on Tony Fields II and Darius Stills from West Virginia. Are they fits for us? Fields is a little bit of redundancy versus what we already have with some. Tiny, speedy, rangy backers with him versus Jerome Baker. Uh, And Darius Stills is more of a gap penetration style. I think Miami's probably going to covet guys who can dictate and win a little bit more and control the line of scrimmage. So that would be my initial reaction would be no. Neither one of them are, are players I would anticipate the Dolphins dialing in on. Evan F., thoughts on Dan Campbell being hired by Detroit. I love Dan here as the interim head coach. I wish him nothing but the best, and I'm so glad he's over in the NFC so I don't really have to worry about playing his team other than once every four years. I really hope he does something fun over there in Detroit. Uh, I love the way he energized a a Dolphins team that was just kicked in the teeth and totally down on themselves back in 2015. I think it's going to be a Stone Age throwback style. Uh, but maybe surprises with some of the, you know, he's been an assistant head coach in New Orleans for several years now, so maybe pick some stuff up from Sean Payton along the way. Last one is from Luke. Your favorite go-to sipping bourbon. Woodford Reserve right now. I got a bunch, you know, Old Forester's up there for me. Uh, Angels Envy. all You, you name it, I'm going to drink it. But right now I got a Woodford that I'm... I'm working on each evening when it's time to let my hair down at the end of the day. Right here on Locked On Dolphins, I'm your host, Kyle Krabs. Thanks as always for listening. I'll talk with you on Monday.